Driscoll, the podcast. You're on spin. You are very welcome back to Spin Air Skull and sticking to the theme of the CAO leaving cert points and life after the leaving cert, I'm so delighted to be joined by Minister Niall Collins, Minister of Higher and Further Education. You are very welcome back to Spin Air Skull. Thanks very much. Great to be back. Hello to your listeners. It's great to have you back, Minister Collins, and it's kind of hard to believe that the last time we spoke, there was such uncertainty around the Leaving Cert format. Now students are only a matter of weeks away from their written exams. They're hoping to secure themselves a college space, be it through a a, a combination of accredited grades and a final written exam. But there is a lot of anxiety around the reality that CAO points and Leaving Cert points will skyrocket. Do you think that's nearly a guarantee at this stage? Yeah, well, if you look at the way the the system is, the Leaving Cert system is constructed this year, you have the accredited grades and the written exams. So it's the best of both worlds, really, in terms of the offering um, to, to students. And um, large numbers of students have opted for both. So they're having an each way, an each way bet, if we could describe it like that, which is good. Um, so there will be grade inflation. I, I think that's without a doubt. We, we saw the grade inflation last year. And uh, we learned from that within um, my department of further and higher education. We learned from that process. And um, every Friday in, in our department, we have a stakeholder um, meeting where we discuss uh, with our department officials and with the representatives um, of the third level colleges. Uh, it's just basically a weekly planning exercise where we um, obviously monitor the whole uh, COVID and the, the, the vaccination and the, the whole COVID working and learning, learning environment, but also uh, issues like the CAO and issues like grade inflation and college places. So suffice to say, um, th- there's about 4,000 additional places built into the system for next year. Um, and that's a combination of um, uh, a build-in, which was already planned for demographics, and uh, also a recognition of grade inflation. Now, if um, grade inflation proves that um, the numbers are bigger and there is a demand, well, then we will be um, discussing that with the colleges and we will uh, be working with them to try and uh, create more college places in those particularly high demand courses where we've experienced grade inflation. So look, it is a worrying time. Um, you know, we want to basically, I suppose the barometer that we look at within the department is um, um, over uh, pre-COVID in what we describe as normal times, 80% of people got their first three choices and uh, 50% got their first choice. So that's that's pretty much what we want to try and achieve. If we can achieve that metric again, uh, we, we'll we'll be happy. I know that you're saying that you hope to achieve that metric again, but I think the reality this year is going to be so different because you've got higher demand than ever. You probably have a lot of students last year who didn't, who missed out on a place, so they're reapplying to the CAO. So you nearly have double the amount of students going for you know those high demand courses. So do you think that 4,000 extra college places realistically is adequate? Like it probably is far less than what's actually needed. Yeah, it's too early to say Look, we, we just have to wait and see. Um, we have to let the CAO do its work. Uh, we have to see how the offers shake out. We have to see how, obviously, the, the, the leaving certificate and the predicted grade system, uh, how, how all of that shakes out. But look, I mean, I, I've explained to you the, uh, the, the barometer by which uh, we will measure this. And we, st- as a department, and in fairness, working with 
the universities and the, the institutes of technology who are now some of them the, the technological universities and there's a little bit of an advancement in those as well which we can talk about um you know we we worked to provide the extra places so i'm not going to be able to give you uh, a definitive in the here and now but just to say to you that we learned from last year's experience um, we are monitoring it on a weekly basis and we will be addressing the issues as they arise. Well, hopefully that it will be a situation that a student, after you know putting in all of the hard work, doesn't find themselves in a situation that they've gotten their brilliantly high marks, but they're missing out on a course just because of the nature of marks going up and that bell curve changing again because of the, the format of the Leaving Cert. And I think that's been such a topic of debate for the last 11 weeks on this show, the calls, the constant calls week in, week out for Leaving Cert reform. So as Minister of Further Education, would you like to see a different exam format, something instead of the Leaving Cert that would allow students a fairer opportunity when it comes to applying for further education? Yeah, personally, I would. Um, I have two kids myself, one who was to do the junior cert this year and that got cancelled. And, you know, just even stepping back into my own experience going through uh, secondary schools, the Leaving Cert, so much is, um, so much emphasis is placed on uh, the one big event. You know, your, your six years, your five years, your six years for pretty much most people in secondary school, you bet everything on the Leaving Cert. And uh, I, I think it's high time that the Department of Education, which is a different department to us, as you know, we're further in higher education. Uh, and I think there is a recognition and a willingness in, within that department. And there is a recognition and a willingness across government and across the political parties that the traditional Leaving Cert, as we know it, will have to be reformed to look at uh, you know, more continuous assessment and project-based work because uh, it's, such, uh, it's such a big build up to one event and it places huge, huge pressure on people. Minister Collins, we're going to stick to further education and higher education. I want to ask a question for the rural students. You know, you're based here in Limerick. If it's a case that a rural student from any rural area in Ireland finds themselves securing a college place in a university in a big city, Dublin, Cork, Galway, and they're in a position where they're going to have to move out, they're going to have to look at rent. This is a massive issue, I think, student rent. Sometimes the cost of rent is more expensive than the college tuition itself and you're not always guaranteed to get a space in student accommodation it's a crisis and I'd love to know what supports are in place this year for students. Yeah so it is a huge issue I recognise that and it's one of the challenges that we've been dealing with in the amalgamation of the institutes of technology when they're now merging into technological universities so you have the Munster uh, TU, which is Cork and Kerry, an amalgamation of the, the two ITs there. You have Limerick and Athlone, very advanced, nearly over the line. And uh, again, in, in Munster and South Leinster, you have um, Waterford and Carlow. A big disadvantage, operating disadvantage for the technological universities, or sorry, the, the Institutes of Technology heretofore has been the fact that they couldn't borrow to build, uh, they couldn't raise finance to build student accommodation. We see in a lot of our universities that they have that um, they have that autonomy, uh, they have that independence that they can go in and do it. It was a, a shortcoming in the in the Institute of Technology legislation, which has governed the running of, of Institutes of Technology. That will be changing and is changed um, where you have a technological university. So that will offer them an opportunity to increase supply. And uh, look, it, it is an issue. Um, government um, has to try and support our universities and our technological universities to try and provide student accommodation on their campus in a, in a planned and proper fashion. I suppose it's just one of the, the many competing demands that we have. 
we, we've just discussed college places. Um, there are limits to what government can do, but I do recognize it as an issue. It was a huge issue, obviously, um, last September when the college year kicked off because a lot of people paid uh, big money up front uh, and then the pandemic kicked in. And uh, I know personally, from my own point of view, anybody who contacted me through my constituency office right throughout the summer, I advise them to be very, very careful because we had been discussing with the colleges um, exactly what transpired in terms of uh, the college year pretty much having to go remote and go online. And we, we discussed with them where they had their own accommodation that they should offer an Airbnb style offering to people rather than trying to sell them a block of accommodation for the school year. So they're, they're the types of things that, that I would be saying to, to colleges they, 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 where they have the wherewithal to provide their own um, student accommodation. They should continue to do that, build more and get capacity in. Um, now, I, I think it might be the problem might be um, there might be a bit of a relief to the problem this year in terms of the international student cohort um, isn't as big incoming um, because of the pandemic. So um, it might not be as big an issue this year as we've had heretofore. I'm certainly hopeful that that will be the case and as well that remote learning doesn't continue much longer because that's another issue that we really need to talk about, that idea of students' mental health suffering because of lack of a social life, lack of an opportunity to meet their peers. Just let's take, for example, the group of current first year university students who have pretty much spent the last 12 months learning online. They haven't had an opportunity to join any clubs or societies or to socialise with their peers. So... I know you you told me the last time we spoke that there were mental health um, resources available to students on campus, but they actually haven't gotten back to the campus to access those resources. So what what supports are there for them, if any? Again, our department meets, as I said to you earlier, every Friday, discussing a return to campus and trying to bring back a sense of normality to our third level institutions. I, I would foresee at this point in time that we will be back on campus pretty much um, as normal come next September um, because of our vaccination program is rolling out. Uh, vaccinations will be made available to everybody, every adult, which is everybody aged over 18, which is pretty much everybody going to college, as you know. Um, we're also um, piloting uh, rapid antigen testing. There's a pilot program going on in relation to that. And our department are very much involved in that. And that is something that we see as a, as a key feature in the return to on-campus um, third level college. I was speaking to my sister-in-law yesterday who lives in Germany. She has, she has primary school going children who do an anti, a rapid antigen test every morning going into their, their primary school in, in Germany. So this is the way forward um, in terms of managing and living with COVID. Um, that, that type of uh, a program, the antigen testing, allied with your, your vaccination program, which, which is rolling out um, as of uh, yesterday, we had 1.2 million vaccines administered, 800,000 uh, people had their first jab and 200, 200, sorry, 400,000 people had uh, two jabs administered. So it's getting there. And I know we've had all the ups and downs in relation to AstraZeneca and supply issues, but in the main, um, it, it will be delivered. And September is a long way out. So I, I do envisage that pretty much um, anybody who wants a vaccination in our country will have had one by next September and we'll be back on campus. 
So what do you think a day in the life of a college fresher will look like in September? Students that are coming out of sixth year having spent the year learning remotely. What supports are available for those who have been very far removed from having any social life at all or contact with lecturers, peers? What will a day in their life look like? Uh, it'll be amazing. It'll be a liberation. It'll be, uh, it'll be freedom. It'll be exciting. Uh, it'll be all of those uh, emotions and, and experiences all rolled into one because we've all had to endure lockdown. Um, we're, we're all looking to um, a return to, to that sense of normality that, that we've been used to. And I, I think people, um, you know, we, we've all endured the lockdown. We've all worked so hard through it to, to get us to this point in time. And all along there has been light at the end of the tunnel and that light is growing stronger and brighter. And, um, you know, hopefully as, um, as the restrictions are being rolled back and we'll have an, an announcement from government in relation to that next week, um, we will have um, a more normal summer and uh, a normal return to college, I think, is very much on the cards. Well, here's hoping and I know that our listeners will be delighted to hear that and they'll be absolutely hoping that that is the case for them. Just finally and very quickly to wrap up for students who are anxious that they're going to fall short in terms of CAO marks, they might be caught in terms of financial aid or they might need supports for renting, whatever the case may be. Where is the best place that a sixth year student, a Leaving Cert student can go now to find support? Well, obviously you look at Susie. Um the, the, the student support scheme you, you can also uh, there's a very good website there studentfinance.ie and also link in with um, your, your student services office um, th- there are a, a myriad of supports there, there are supports also available through um, the department of social protection but I also want to mention Louise because um, we launched it during the week is our apprenticeship action plan and uh, it's something that we're very keen in, in our new department of further and higher education to mainstream apprenticeships right into the heart of our further and higher education landscape. Because for too long, um, apprenticeships have been seen as a poor relation in terms of an education opportunity and a career path. So uh, apprenticeships are an opportunity to earn and to learn. And, and it's not just your traditional craft apprenticeships like uh, block laying, carpentry, plumbing, plastering, all that type of stuff. There, there are up to 60 uh, apprenticeships. Um, so we've new exciting areas like financial services, um, engineering, life sciences. Um, and and there, there's about 60 of them at the moment um, uh, available for people if they want to. Uh, and you can qualify up to PhD level on an apprenticeship from level five to level 10. So it's not the poor relation that some people think think it is. There are 18 new apprenticeships also um, um, in development at the moment by QQI and by the the consortiums um, who run the apprenticeships, uh, which would be the representative employer groups. For example, like the insurance industry would be a consortium. They would form a consortium who would run an apprenticeship with an education and training board. So there's lots of opportunities there. And going back to the CAO, it's our intention within this new department to um, expand and reform the CAO system so that things like apprenticeship will be offered through um, opportunities of apprenticeships will be offered through the CAO system. So there's just two interesting links there that, that, that you might to make your listeners aware of. Um, one is gov.ie forward slash the right course. And uh, the other portal, which is very um, useful also, is just uh, straightforward apprenticeships.ie. And if you check out the two of those, 
maybe throw it up on your social media channels and give people plenty of information also. Brilliant. Thank you so much for that, Minister Niall Collins. And I think it brings us full circle because at the beginning of the show, we spoke with Mary Lucy, who said there is so much more to the Leaving Cert outside of the CAO. There are so many other options. And I think the fact that the government are doing that, proving that apprenticeships are more than, you know, like you said, the poor relation, that that's really, really positive for a lot of people in rural communities and across the southwest and across the country. So, Minister Niall Collins, thank you so much for concluding Spin Air Skull, episode 12. Thanks very much. Spin Air School, the podcast. You're on spin.